Introducing the new way to play Daily Fantasy with Jock Market. That's Jock MKT. Jock Market is where Daily Fantasy Sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for the NFL, NBA, and PGA. Get excited, people. Take control of your fantasy. Check out Jock Market. It's in the Apple Store, wherever you download your apps. J-O-C-K. MKT. Come join us. We're going to be playing week two, checking out our IPOs, buying and selling during the games. It's a fun game. Jock market. Go get it and play with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Athletic. Fantasy Football Podcast, Tuesday edition, with Emery Hunt. Emery, what's happening, man? What's going on, non-dope, man? Busy weekend for me, man. It was a long weekend, so. We're doing, uh, was that from Victory Dancing with James Robinson, or is that uh, just regular? <laughs> just regular, you know, doing all the stuff with CBS and stuff like that. It was like all yeah, over the joint. Johnny Atlantic City, congratulations, man. Yeah, you see that, right? And uh, Cajuns won big, dominated out there in Ames, Iowa, so it was a really good weekend. I saw that. And the James Robson, uh, you know, being the starter, but we'll get into all of that. No, you know what? I'm gonna get into that right now because here's what bothers me: is like Emory Hunt has a resume, and it's like a mile long. And so, look, I'm kind of the same way, but not at the same. I don't have the same kind of knowledge and depth. But like, I don't like the groupthink, and I'm kind of sick of it. And I actually sometimes just go in thinking like I'm not going to say what everyone else is saying. Let me try and do some work and find something new. And fresh. And if it's contrarian, it's contrarian, but at least I found something that not everybody's talking about. And Emory Hunt, who's not a fantasy guy, he's a football guy. I mean, you're learning fantasy, you're good at it, but you know, you're a football guy. It's like every week when we publish your column, it's like I just want to put like something in bold in like headline one and just say, listen, assholes, Emory's made these 17 calls in a row. Give him a little faith here and enjoy what he's telling you instead of just like 17 comments about, but why? But why? And I'm sorry, maybe it's just fresh in my mind because like we published it at midnight last night. I woke up this morning. I'm like, okay, great. Maybe there'll be like five comments and they'll be like, that's a really interesting take on Christian McCaffrey. Or I totally agree with your Clyde Edwards Hilaire take that he is a goal line back. And instead, it's like 12 people just complaining about your Christian McCaffrey take not being number one, which you said here last week. So anyway. I ranted for you, but how are you doing? <laughs> I was doing fine, but you, you hit the nail on the head, man. It's like, and it's funny how the myth article creates so much vitriol online. It's like people hate, it's like people take that as, man, you're calling me stupid. You're calling me everything that I believe. You're telling me everything I believe, you know, was, was wrong. Like, just like I pointed out in the article, it's funny how two years ago I told you guys home in a way didn't matter. Yeah. Now we're sitting here in the pandemic. And it doesn't matter, like you know. What I'm so <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's funny to see that, and people still fight against logic. They want to know, well, what's your? What, give me your advanced stats. Give me your analytics on this. Like, dude, I can create all kind of stats. Like, you know, these analytic people do. Like, he's the best at throwing on the run, on the right hash, outdoors when it's 65 degrees against zone defense. I can do all of that for all all day long to justify a point. But the point is, BSNs. if I BSN, yeah. If, yeah. If if I tell you it's Easter, start painting eggs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, geez, it, it was it was interesting. I'm glad you brought up about the fantasy. I, I don't play 
but I'm good at it. And you saw this past weekend with uh, on you know with CBS Sports HQ, they had me doing you know updates from the sports book, and and they put up a graphic when I I didn't even know until I went back and watched replay. They put up a graphic that said number one college football expert and in 2019 and it was like i don't even bet yet yeah. i'm number one so it's obviously well, yeah, the so football like, analysis turned 100 good. turned 100 dollars into 1300 dollars right 3000 th- turned 100 yeah, into, into 3000 3, which is crazy it's crazy bro and you and still have people being like oh, christian mccaffrey how could you how dare you sir cbs didn't even put up the second graphic i was number 2 in nfl against the spread and so, it, it, you know, it's just funny because I remember when I, and not to jump on that, but it was just like, you know, just the questions, even though the resume speaks for itself. I remember uh, when I, you know, w- interviewed for that, that opportunity at CBS with the Against the Spread stuff, I had to write a, a sample of a game. And it was, Army was, they were playing Oklahoma. Oklahoma was 31, um, 31, no, they were playing Ohio State. And Ohio State was like 30 point favorites. And I wrote in the thing, I was like, you know, Army, take Army in the points. They're going to keep this one close. And the guy wrote back, well, you know. You against Dwayne Haskins? No, it was, it was uh, who was the quarterback? JT uh, Barrett. All right, okay. So he was like. That that didn't sound right. (laughs) Right. He he was like, uh, well, you know, you want to be a little bit more realistic when you make your picks. I'm like, no, I'm dead serious. Army's going to keep this close. And he was like, well, I mean, yeah, I just don't. Ohio says it. Fast forward to the damn game. Army wins by like seven. I mean, (laughs) Ohio State wins by like four. And he was like, "Oh man, you was right, man. Get out my face, man." You so, <laughs> I hope he's not listening. I'm, but I, but I'm like, yo, listen. I told you they was gonna keep it close because you're not gonna blow the option team because they hold the ball all damn long. So that just it didn't make sense. I don't get how great Ohio State is. They can't be great if they don't have the ball. So, um, but I, I find it interesting that I always get questioned whether it's on draft stuff, fantasy stuff, against the spread stuff, game you know prediction stuff i'm used to it but i just at some when you catch me at the right time like when you t- the red wire touch the blue wire and that you could jump start a car yeah that's when you get you know, that's when i get cranky because most of the time I just look at it laugh move on to the next thing like hi i told you so and just keep it moving but my goodness you know, know. i'm cranky for you yeah it was just this morning i woke yeah. up and i saw the article <laughs> post i was like damn we got 24 comments like wow <laughs> and then i read them like oh now I gotta jump in the mix, roll up my sleeves, and get in the comments. You know, excellent commenter though. Hey, that's what that's what I do. All right, I'm anyway, great we, at that too. We don't we don't want to make this a uh, complainy show. Uh, right. So let's get into some some stuff that might help you with your fantasy football. Uh, you know, from a different smart perspective. I do, like I gotta put that caveat in there every time. Now I feel like, but I feel like the podcast people understand and they love Emery. That's it. Like the the, the commenters on the site, half and half. The podcast people love Emery. So. Maybe I don't have to do that. Anyway, I know some of your comments. Uh, so everyone was like, oh, Christian McCaffrey, blah, blah, blah. Um, who's your number one? And last week we talked about Saquon Barkley being your number one. And he had not just a bad game, but like a historically bad game last night. Uh, can you can you throw some sunshine on Saquon Barkley people who might be super worried? Yeah, I would say treat this game as an anomaly because you're right. And I tweeted this out last night. I have never seen a team just dominate the run game at the point of attack. And people were blaming the Giants offensive line saying the offensive line is sad. That's why Daniel Jones is, is that's why he threw that those two garbage interceptions. Like, no, the offensive line and pass pro did well. 
it was just in a run game where it was remember Tech Mobile where they where you pick the same play as your your opponent yeah. <laughs> and it was an all out blitz. Yes, that's what it was it. like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what it was like when Saquon carried the football. It's like my goodness, they are keying on every run play. It's almost like they knew the play call because I've never seen team a team consistently blow up the run like that. That was impressive. It was almost like yo, this is not. Is it a false start? Are they offside? Like, how are they blowing up the run every time? But you saw him have success in the past game, but you saw the glimpses of why I like Saquon Barkley as the number one player uh, because he took that little short swing pass and he quickly got up to, you know, top speed in, in what, in a matter of two seconds, he was 30 yards down the field. So the passing game, he had success. The run game, I would treat that as an anomaly. Because it just didn't look, it didn't look right last night as far as the blocking. Something was off with their. Maybe they were, you know, maybe Nick Gates, the new center, wasn't giving them different calls or dummy calls to try to throw off the line because they were jumping every run play. I think that's what was going on. So they're going to have to make some changes on the interior from a call standpoint because I felt like Pittsburgh keyed in on all of their calls. And again, they're breaking in a new center in Nick Gates. So maybe that's why in the run game the Steelers look like they were in the same huddle as the Giants. Is there something to be said that, you know, the preseason, and even if it wasn't a weird preseason, but, you know, you you have for weeks and weeks, you have one opponent that you're kicking off week one against. You know, this is the one team we're facing. Let's game plan the crap out of this and really make a statement, you know, Monday Night Football. Is there anything to be said for that? Like, maybe the Steelers just figured, like, this is what Jason Garrett does. Let's stop Saquon. Let's do whatever we can do to stop Saquon Barkley and let them beat us with the throw. Is that, I mean, and then, you know, maybe like, Maybe this is a question really more about the Pittsburgh defense. Like, are they going to be a defense that's going to be awesome against the run? Or do they just game plan really well for the Giants and almost sell out to a degree to stop Saquon Barkley from running the ball? That's a great point. I think that's in part of what it was is a little bit of both. Yes, you game plan all spring and summer long for that week one opponent. Um, Plus, they were like, okay, we don't believe Daniel Jones can beat us. So in obvious running situations based off our analytics that – Okay, in down and distance situations, Jason Garrett is more than likely to run. We'll sell out there because we don't believe Daniel Jones is that much of a threat in the run game or he'll beat us with a play action pass or what have you. So we'll take our chances with that because we trust that we can make plays on the back end. So, yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. How do they treat you at the casinos, by the way, in the sports book? Were they like, hey, Mr. Hunt, can we get you a drink or anything? You want some food? Was it first class were, all the they, way? Man, they were Excellent. I was at the Atlantic City one and the uh, Monmouth Sportsbook. Now I the, love Monmouth. The, they were they were fantastic. The the staff they were super nice. William Hill did a great job um, hosting us. But the and the people were nice. They were commenting on my jacket, right? The the people, the patrons, they were all. Everybody was like kept commenting on on the jackets that I wore. But the only issue is I was I was like oh I forgot I'm in a sportsbook. Because when my hit was, I was doing the hit every hour and an hour, and I had a two-hour break, you know, uh, one time. And so I would go sit in the sports book and try to scarf down some some uh, lunch. And people that seen you sitting on a CBS set talking, you know, football, now want to come and ask you. I'm like, shit, I'm uh. sitting around. Oops, <laughs> my bad. I'm sitting around <laughs> degenerates. <laughs> it's like, they want to, hey, what do you think about this? Like, oh, I don't know. I, 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 like, man, let me go sit back in my little box. And, and eat my lunch in that little roped off area because I'm not gonna sit here and take such, such a man of the people. I was until I was going. <laughs> I'm gonna get swamped by picks, and you know you got to wear a mask. And I'm taking my mask down to eat, 
And then some people, you know, people don't wear a mask consistently. Some wear have the nose out. Right. Some have it under their chin. Some are wearing it properly. You know, some invade personal space. So I'm like, you know what? It's best for me to go back into the roped off area, eat my lunch, and sit there and watch games on my laptop as opposed to trying to watch it in a sports book like a normal human being. That's like when people find out you're a fantasy guy and or do like see a lot of people read my articles on the athletic or they they hear the podcast. And then your friends hit you up. Hey, who should I start? Like, bro, do not send me your damn lineup. <laughs> <laughs> like, Those stop. Are my Read it. Watch the show. Listen to the podcast. Stop sending me your lineup. Who should I start? Start this guy. Really? No. All right. Start the other guy. Yeah. Like, just stop asking me questions. Just tell me what you want the answer to be, and I'll tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I get to, so I got I got my my barrage of text messages. Uh, you know, last couple of weeks, and the, the last one that I got from these people, you know, December thirtieth, December 29th. December twenty eighth. Like I'm saying, haven't talked to you in eight months, but you're cool just texting me a fantasy question. <laughs> All right. Okay. At least send me a note like on my birthday. You know, get something right. in the middle there. Anyway. At least, right, it's, yeah. So it was. It was. It was fun. I'm a good man. I am a man of the people. I know, like I'm, I'm super joking, nice, man. super cordial. No, and I know that. Uh, but it's just like, oh man, I. I you know, it's, it's like when you are the football guy, and you're you know you're out of work. And, but people only know you as a football guy. They just want to talk to you about football. And you get why they want to do it. But for you, it's like, man, I kind of just want to talk about this tremendous salad that I'm having right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you're the senior in high school all over again. Like, where are you going to college? Where are you going to major in? That, that <laughs> right. Whole thing. right. Uh, let's move on to the Colts. I, I think they're they're pretty interesting because, uh, you know, before coming in, I think everyone thought, like, okay, Marlon Mack's going to run. Naheem Hines is going to catch. And Jonathan Taylor maybe does a little bit of both. Um, but instead, it's you know Marlon Mack hurt, but during the game, it looked like all three of them were, were catching passes, and Taylor and Himes kind of ended up with almost the same stat line. A lot of, a lot of targets, uh, a lot of receiving yards, and you know, a decent amount of rushing yards. Um, so if we're looking at it like Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines left in that Indianapolis backfield, I know, well, I don't know, I actually don't even know if you were on that boat with me, uh, but I, like, I've been a big Naheem Hines guy because I thought he was just going to catch a million passes from Phillip Rivers. But it looks like Jonathan Taylor might also. Um, how do you see this all shaking out from a football perspective as far as that backfield? Well, now it's going to be Taylor and Hines, right? Right. Uh, and Taylor's going to be able to get those carries that he should have gotten, you know, right off the bat. I think what happened with Indianapolis is that they tried to make Phillip Rivers the story, and he ended up being the story because he played just like he played last year with Los Angeles. You know, came, it seemed like it's funny. He goes to the Chargers. And instantly made the Colts game like the Chargers game last year. Every Chargers game was the same. It's like it came down to Phillip Rivers with the ball with four minutes left, try to make a play. He throws interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> um, same same thing happened just in Indy. Uh, so I think learning from that situation, they're going to try to, okay, we know we can't rely on him to win it because he is still a turnover machine. So we're going to try to scale back a little bit. I think that's going to do wonders for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, as a runner, and Naheem Hines even more so as a receiver. We talked about this last episode where Hines will be the Eckler in this offense, and I think that's what it's going to play out to be uh, moving forward because they just can't continue to, to allow Phillip Rivers to throw the football 35, 40 times a game with half of that being downfield throws. If he's throwing, it has to be short, intermediate, quick to where it doesn't give the coverage time to re recover and make a play on the ball because – he was a liability out there 
on uh Sunday. And, you know, that whole thing they did in the in the red zone, they got down to the four yard line and sub in Jacoby Brissett to do zone read. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, when did Jacoby Brissett become Michael Vick? And they <laughs> lost like ten yards. And so they lost an opportunity to score a touchdown because of craziness. So I think we're gonna see a more conservative game plan in week two for the Colts, which means Jonathan Taylor should probably get about 20 carries. Naheem Hines will get about eight or nine targets in the past game. Um, and I think they'll be just fine offensively, but they got to make sure they de-emphasize Rivers a bit. Is I mean, Naheem Hines, in uh, at least his, his last year in college, ran for 1,000 yards, almost six yards a carry. Um, is, is it kind of weird that we're talking about him and, and just kind of blowing him off as a runner? Like, does he have running? It looked like he had running skill. He looked great. He do. Yeah, but I mean, like, is, it, we're just kind of like casting him as this Austin Eckler pass catcher. Uh, is there a chance that Naheem Hines, you know, gets 12 carries and Jonathan Taylor gets 12 carries and they end up being the same player almost? Like, they're not situational. They're just rotating. If you, Well, I think it's going to be more, let's say, like 18-6. Let's, let's look at it like that. Maybe there's 24 carries in a game. All right. Um, 18 Taylor, 6 Hines. And you're right. Hines was a, was a tremendous running back his last season at NC State. But prior to that, he was also a receiver. So the year before, he was a receiver. And then, you know, he moved to running back full time um, his last season in uh, Raleigh. So I think it, his his value is being a multifaceted back. They drafted Taylor for a reason, you know, in the second round. So they're going to want to feed the beast in, behind that offensive line, which quietly didn't do a great job in the run blocking department against Jacksonville. That was surprising. Let me, um, let me ask you this. Uh, well, actually – I did want to talk about Jacksonville for a second. Is this a real? Is this a real Jacksonville, or is this you just know, like a really good week one? I think it was a really good week one because they played inspired. They played above their skis, so to speak, um, against the Colts. Well, I like that. What does that even mean? Above their skis? I, I've you know like you know how your skis are are longer yeah. than where you are standing up, and you lean forward, you kind of above your skis. Oh, all right, so I like you play, that. Yeah, but you can't be you can't lean forward from the jump. You know, gotcha. Right? I don't or know. I've never skied, man. <laughs> me either. Yeah. I just, I just noticed. <laughs> Damn sure not me. So, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think Jacksonville. I like the inspired play, though. You know, because think about it. Everyone, including myself, was all over the Colts week one. This is the easiest pick of the week. Uh, you know, Jacksonville traded with all the stars, and they got a really inspired play from their defense. Miles Jack and C.J. Henderson played great um, offensively. Minshew. Again, this is where. The football side and the fantasy side are in, you know, not in agreement because the football side was like he was efficient, he was solid, you know, but and he didn't turn the ball over. That's great. Yeah. Fantasy side was like he threw three touchdowns. He went seven, eighteen and nineteen, had nineteen to twenty. He's great. But he he's already in the top five. He didn't. He didn't throw interceptions last year either. Like is that is that Gardner? He fumbled. A, he he fumbled the hell out of the yeah, ball last year. Yeah. And he ate a lot of sacks. Um, he has zero. You think Daniel Jones has bad pocket awareness? Minshew's pocket awareness, I think, is worse than Jones. Jones, at least, you know, has a, an affinity to take off and run. Minshew would drop back and just stand straight still in the pocket and get smacked and drop the ball, and which would either he'll recover it or he'll lose yards and then they'll be out of the, you know, the you know first down range or what have you, and and run a screen or a draw just to set up a, a better punt. So Minshew's pocket awareness and him getting rid of football quickly. He's a, he's a, he's like Kirk Cousins. 
but without the Kirk Cousins fantasy output that he has, but plays like Kirk Cousins from a real football perspective, if that, if that makes sense. Is, he, is it fair to say he's a running Kirk Cousins? No, Daniel Jones would be the running Kirk Cousins. All right. Um, Minshew is like the veteran Kirk Cousins that also has zero pocket awareness, but has <laughs> those pockets of like greatness where he'll hit like four or five passes in a row and he'll drop a dime deep down the field. Like, man, that was, that was a great throw. But consistency is where he has to improve. But again, on paper, the numbers look nice 19 to 20, three touchdowns, no turnovers. You take that every week if you come out with a victory. Man, I, you know, Dee Westbrook not playing uh, ruined a bunch of my calls. That wasn't fun. Everybody was all on LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, they really did yeah. a good job. Really? But unfortunately, you know? Dee Westbrook is the one that I was drafting. So <laughs> <laughs> he had 100 targets last year. Come on. But again, everybody's willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater in week one. You see overreactions like crazy after week one. And people think my article, the myth article, uh, is an overreaction. But it, it's not an overreaction of week one. It's just like we just having some fun with some myths. Yeah, this is what it is. But yeah, it's, I mean, that's, I thought it was a good idea for an article. <laughs> Since I came up with it, man. Well, because that's what you're good at. Like you know what I mean? Like you're you're like you're very good and passionate about busting myths and dispelling you know uh, misconceptions. I guess it's funny. Like when we we wrote a book, Stiff Arming Football Myths, um, in 2014, and it's still selling pretty well. We have the PDF and also the hard copy. But obviously, uh, where, can people people get, where can people get that? Footballgameplan.com/slash/books. Thank you. Right, and so people were all over my quarterback rankings you know like how you had this guy he's he's six one he's six feet he's five eleven and i'm telling people size not a skill but and i was getting flamed for it fast forward to now and how many short quarterbacks we have playing and thriving and to now his size is not a scare everybody's like oh yeah he can play like well i was trying to tell y'all that like eight years ago and y'all killed me for it but now when it's cool and popular you forget who told you that first update the book so that's why i get frustrated Update the book. Yeah, we had to stop at 50. Otherwise, we'd still be writing it. And the good part is, it is still relevant. Like, it's funny because one of the myths in there was like, stop barking up the Bill Belichick coaching tree. And at the time, the record was like worse than it is. Or it, was, it was still bad as it is now. But now you hear, man, why do people keep going? If you look at Bill Belichick's coaching tree, those coaches don't do well. And I was like, well, we tried to tell you all that in 2014. But everybody was like, hire a Belichick assistant. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, please. Uh, tell you what, uh, we got to take a, a quick break here. We're going to shout out our sponsor, um, Emery Hunt. They love you. Look, the commenters might not love you, but the sponsors do. They keep coming back. They're clamoring to be part of the Emery Hunt show. Because this show popping, man. It's that's, the best show on Athletic. That's what I'm talking about. So, Ernest, thank you very much for jumping in and helping out with the show. Uh, interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's time to. it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy to start. Complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. Then you get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment? Combine many loans into one easy payment or get a better rate? Ernest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus... The internet loves Ernest customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. So now, 
you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com slash throwback. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance your student loan at earnest.com slash throwback. It's not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash throwback for more details. Terms and conditions do apply. Um, visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. want to thank you again, Ernest, for, uh, for supporting the show and for being a fan of Emory Hunt. We got one more quick sponsor. We'll be right back after this. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Okay, and we are back. Uh, that was the uh, lovely Shiel Kapadia, who's a fantasy guy, numbers guy. Big fan of his. Uh, yeah, he's the, he does great work, man. He does, right? Like, he does, okay, so he does with numbers what people should be doing with numbers, right? That's how I feel. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what we, oh, you know what I, I want to get to? Baker Mayfield. Because, I, like, I, I was joking before about how D.D. West, I'm not joking, but, I mean, I'm not angry that D.D. Westbrook is tanking the 12th spot on my roster because that's easily fixable this week. But uh, Baker Mayfield, man, like I, Emery, I don't know. Like I, I just, I, I fell for it again, you know, in a couple of these two quarterback leagues and super flex leagues. Like, well, Baker Mayfield's got all these weapons at disposal. And it just seems like copy paste, like from like all the games last year, you think there's this fresh start, Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Kareem Hunt playing a full season. And it's just like Baker Mayfield, once again, uh, I guess the word might be uninspiring. Am I overreacting, or is he just bleh? I think he is what he is. You know, he's uh, you know, Case Keenum-like, uh, maybe Jeff Garcia at max, you know. But I think he's just going to be what we've seen so far in his career. 27 touchdowns, 15-plus picks. I-, I think that's him. Um and I think the reason why is, I, not to continue to say this, but I told people back during the draft process, if you go back and watch the second half of that Georgia game at Oklahoma uh, in the playoffs, that told you everything that you needed to know about Baker Mayfield. And it gave you a glimpse of what he was going to be as a pro player in terms of pressure. In college football, because of the wide hash marks, you're able to spread the field so far or so, you know, with ways because 
the hash marks are wide. You could have wider splits. You can go five wide or four wide or whatever. And you can essentially eliminate, you could turn man coverage into zone coverage because you spread everybody out, which also means you can easily diagnose when and where the pressure is coming from. In the NFL, with the hash marks closer, the game is essentially played in the middle of the field. The pressure comes from both sides equally, which means you go from three seconds in the pocket to a second and a half in the pocket before you have to make a decision. And if you can't handle pressure or you are flinching at the first sign of pressure in the NFL, when it's closer and it comes quicker, quickly, quickly and more consistent, that's when you struggle. And quarterbacks that can't deal with pressure in college won't deal with pressure in the NFL. Quarterbacks who can deal with pressure in college because they didn't have the best athletes around on the best team tend to do well when they are able to hit the ground running in the NFL, which is why you see your mobile quarterbacks do very well because a lot of these dudes are not afraid of pressure. They take off when there's a hint of pressure and there's an alley because they know my best asset is to stay on the field and to you know, gain positive yards. I can get five yards and get down rather than sit in the pocket, take a hit and try to lose yards or throw the ball away and, and have a second and 10 or whatever. So in the second half of that Georgia game, you saw Georgia start blitzing Baker and he started to crumble, throw the ball away so much so that in overtime, keep in mind, Baker was a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. In overtime, they took the ball out of his hands and just started to run the ball more. And that's when the guy that just got uh, Anderson, who unfortunately tore his ACL like three times since that game, um, really had, he was really giving Georgia problems. And in the, in the latter part of that overtime, instead of trying to throw the football to win, which are Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, they ran the ball. Georgia stopped them. And we know how it turned out when Georgia got the ball. So Baker not handling pressure is his bugaboo. And that's what we saw on Sunday. Baltimore, there were times where it was a clean pocket and he felt pressure. Like you can't do that. And that takes away from accuracy, placement. It gives defensive backs a chance to recover and make plays on the ball. And we're seeing this a lot. And you saw what the run game was thriving both Chubb and Hunt were having success and they still got away from it I think that's what we're going to see moving forward they have to find a way to run a ball give Baker Mayfield some easier throws one two if it's not there throw it away uh, and that's going to have to come off play action otherwise we're going to see more of the same you know you uh you brought up Nick Chubb and I actually so uh you know internally when people ask questions I actually I don't mind as much because we invite it we're like hey we're fantasy ask us questions uh we'll do our best to answer it I thought this might be a good question for you. Um, ah, crap. I got to pull it up. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Wait, sorry. I got it right here. Okay. Uh, bad week one. Uh, here's the question. My concerns about Chubb were valid. Meanwhile, Jacobs went off. Lovely. I definitely have the top waiver ad. Who would be your number one option? Your number one option? Would it be Naheem Hines? And would you drop Ingram for one of them? Um, I kind of want to take this piece by piece a little bit. First of all, the Chubb concerns. Are those valid, Emery? Is that like a – should we worry that – Maybe this is not such a straight uh, bell cow situation that we assumed it would have been. I think there's room for him to still thrive. I mean, Chubb is a good runner, and he always is going to have a healthy yards per carry. So, yeah, he may only get 12, and Hunt may get the other 12, but we know Chubb is going to have a healthy yards per carry. He's gonna he's explosive, probably more explosive than, than Hunt, so he has a, a chance to, to – you know, pick up chunk plays. So there's still room for Chubb. I wouldn't be so quick to give up Chubb. I think 
this week against Baltimore was like just a that was a Saquon Barkley week versus Pittsburgh. So don't give up on Chubb because Chubb is still a pretty good uh, runner with explosiveness. And you know how I am. If you got the ability to, to rip long runs, I'd rather have you than the guy that's just going to be a Jordan Howard like and just kind of crash into the line for three yards a carry just for the sake of him getting 30 carries. You poor, know, Poor Jordan Howard, huh? Shout out to Jordan Howard. Shout out to Jordan Howard. Uh, would you drop Mark Ingram for the say, like if you want to go out and get Naheem Hines and you feel like he's yes. real? Is that is it the end of the Mark Ingram show? Yeah, because J.K. Dobbins is the the reason why they drafted Ingram. I'm not saying that Ingram is not going to be productive, real football wise, but fantasy wise. If you got a chance to really, if you got value, take advantage of it now. And Hines is going to his value is going to shoot up, while Ingram is going to drop because of Dobbins. So it would be best if you can make that move for. Um, Hines right now and someone in the comments asked a really good question even though they said it's hypothetical if I have Christian McCaffrey who would I what would I be looking to, to gain in in a trade and I told him I was like you know that's a great question because my fantasy draft strategy would be draft the best pass catchers first because it's few and far in between yeah running backs in fantasy you can kind of get by with so if you have McCaffrey and someone wants to give you let's say a Julio Jones and also, uh, you know, uh, whoever, let's say they have a, a Tyler Boyd as their wide receiver, too, or maybe even A.J. Green. Take that trade because the pass catchers, the top tier is maybe like eight receivers. So take those guys. You can get production out your backfield, but you be hard pressed to find guys that are consistently top performers at at receivers. So I would always take the receivers first before I then take the running back, because then I know how to get by with the with the backs because I know which backs to take. So pass catcher, pass catchers, like the fantasy draft we did a while back, you know, in, in the studio yeah. where I went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Yeah. And people thought I was crazy, but I had all the best pass catchers. Yeah. And I think you even scooped up Tyreek Hill late in there too, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that was like, the, that was a Tyreek, that was Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill breakout season. Yeah. When they were, when people was telling me Pat Mahomes again, Tried to tell you all about Pat Mahomes, and people thought I was crazy. But when you have the foresight, and I threw that in the comments, the force or in the article, it's about the foresight. Stop being reactionary, you know. And that's what that's why we got Chris McCaffrey as the number one overall fantasy player because he had a great year in 2019. Doesn't mean he's going to have the same year in 2020. But people are reacting to what happened. Tell me what is going to happen. Right, right. Uh, let me. You know, so Beller actually dropped this one an email this morning. I was kind of thinking, I think we talked about a little bit last night too, uh, about what we could maybe add to, to the column maybe for next week um, is, you know, we're, we're busting myths, but maybe there are some things that are actually true uh, that, you know, that, that people are saying that you're like, okay, this is how, you, you know, we're kind of separating the, the real from the trash. And so maybe it's good to point out like one of the real. Um, everyone says don't overreact to what happened here. What's one thing that you saw that's not really an overreaction that actually might, you know, the wisdom of the crowds might be right. Was there, was there, Something that you saw, like, I don't know, you're just like, oh, you know, they're right, actually. They might have stumbled on it by accident, but they're right. Um, I saw it more in, I, I don't know. I, I, Sorry, I'm I mean lost. to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, but, I, but I, I, maybe I'm not under, give me an example. Well, how about this, like, I, uh, Curtis Samuel got 10 targets. Um, does that mean anything? Was there, are people, people over, well, I guess we talked about overreacting to Chubb. Um, I guess a little bit overreacting to J.K. Dobbins, which aren't overreacting. Let me jump in and give it a give it. Oh, there we go. Here. There's Michael Beller. Here is your context. That so was what scary. I'm saying is <laughs> the, easiest, made me jump. <laughs> the easiest fantasy advice in the world to give after week one is don't overreact, right? And it's true nine times out of ten. But there's that one time 
where you do want to overreact, where you do want to buy high, or you do want to sell low. An example, the first example that comes to mind, and I'm not saying this is right and this should be the one, but the first example that comes to mind, we saw what Malcolm Brown did against the Cowboys on Sunday night, 18 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns. The overreact, the don't overreact crowd would say, don't assume that he's now the guy in L.A. And I read your myth column. I know you're feeling the Daryl Henderson return, and that's fine. But I'm saying the overreaction would be, no, no, Malcolm Brown's the guy. Go get him. He's the RB1 in L.A. So is there one? And the answer could be no. But is there something that happened in week one that you would feel comfortable, quote, overreacting to because it's going to bear out over the rest of the season? I'm muting myself Got- again now. <laughs> great, great uh, color in there, you know, to, to you know, add some – meat to it i would say i think the biggest overreaction that is warranted was and i was wrong on this was the uh darius slayton you know oh yeah darius slayton rice yeah darius slayton moss you know what i'm saying yeah make us make us slayton he he was able to catch two touchdowns granted again garbage time is garbage time but it's fantasy it's all game time so he caught two touchdowns he seems to be the the target for Daniel Jones. Now, granted, Tate didn't play. Shepard had a bunch of good catches. Ingram is is inconsistent. Slayton, although his he may only get three targets, one of them is going to be a touchdown. So the overreaction this summer to Darius Slayton, I was wrong. The overreaction was right. And you're saying that after week one, huh? After week one, it, I mean, but again, this is week one. But going by last year which led to the, you know, Darius Slayton Tron Moss, you know, takes over the summer week one, it proved to be true. So I guess this is my overreaction to week one. How'd you feel about Tom Brady and the bucks in general? I guess I know you're <laughs> you know, watching the saints game. I, I saw, I was, you know, cause it was right behind me and it was um, on national broadcast. So on my direct TV on my uh, laptop, it was blacked out. So I couldn't constantly keep turning around. I have to go back and watch the film um, today when it, when all 22 is, is active NFL game pass. Um, so it's funny because everyone was saying Tom Brady's going to have a Pat Mahomes year. And he still may have that, but I was still always questionable. Like, you know, the last time we saw Tom Brady play, he looked 43 years old. Yeah. And all he did was change his uniform. He's still 43. You know, the age didn't change. And I was more worried about the the right side of the offensive line going up against Cam Jordan. You know, Tristan Wirfs, a rookie, going up against Cam Jordan. And Brady still looked kind of like the Patriots Brady. And it was like, you know, I don't know, man. You know, so I I wasn't all in on Tom Brady as a, as a premier fantasy option because of what we saw last year, and, you know, he's 43 years old. And you know what? Drew Brees is 41, and he beat him. He beat him. Yeah. And we know Drew Brees, only his his limit is like 15 yards in the air. So he's also another one that's a that's a liability, quietly, that the Saints, don't, Saints and Saints fans don't want to admit. We know you uh, love Sam Darnold, I think, is your favorite quarterback. Uh, you've said it here a bunch of times. And <laughs> <laughs> How about Every those Jets, Selfino. man? How about those Jets? <laughs> right. Is there uh, so? How about this? Uh, Frank Gore is thirty-seven years old and Yikes. is now presumably the starting running back for the Jets, at least for the next couple of weeks. Is that? I mean, you know, we're old. Like I look at Frank Gore, I'm like, he's old, man. 
Um, you know, actually, Britt Garoli wrote a story about a 33-year-old rookie on the Nationals. I'm like, that guy's old, and I'm 42. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got to wrap my head around this stuff a little better. But uh, can Frank Gore carry a load and be successful for a couple weeks with, you know, decent numbers? Or is this going to be, like, don't fall for this. They're going to play the, a couple of the other guys, P. Ryan and, and, and Josh Adams, a little bit. How's that going to be? Well, guys got to be healthy, man. And, you know, keep an eye on a guy that may come off the practice squad that they're probably going to – they've been signing and, and cutting him all throughout the latter part of training camp. And that was, that's Pete Guerrero out of Monmouth, the undrafted free agent. So if P. Ryan is healthy, then P. Ryan and Gore will split some. Because right now it's just P. Ryan and Gore. Um, I don't think P. Ryan played last week. So is it going to be the Frank Gore show for the next couple of weeks? It's going to be all of them. I mean, because – to be honest, Jets offense has to – they didn't look prepared, man. And so you would think they'll be down a lot. So you're going to see a lot of passes from, you know, franchise quarterbacks, on, you know, Sam Darnold yeah. and all those receivers. Yeah. So – and tight ends. Herndon with a weird fumble, man. Like, bro, just – dang, that was a that was a killer fumble. Uh, we got the ball just taken out of his hands. But I think you'll see a lot more – Donald and receiving targets as opposed to the run game paving away because I, I don't think they can just run the football they couldn't against Buffalo I mean they got a tougher task this week in San Francisco so running the football may not happen for the Jets for a while you know um so you know you talk about the Jets and it's Adam Gase you know I think that's where the conversation goes a lot um but you know so Carolina and this this might have been a piece of the Christian McCaffrey thing too new coach Giants new coach Jacksonville new offensive coordinator uh, in, in your, I guess, experience, estimation, opinion, did any of these new coaches and these new regimes uh, show anything in week one? Is this kind of like an evolving picture, or is this when you're brand new OC, you're like, let's go out and show off my offense, man? Like, like I don't like, you know, I'm a I'm first time offensive coordinator in the league. We're gonna throw forty times and run twelve, and that's how this offense is gonna be for the next 15 games or is it still just a game by like, can we learn anything from these new coaches? Basically it's, it's early It's week one. It's essentially the first preseason game. Um, but I will say this, I've always been a fan of Pat Shermer and we saw last night the play calling and how they really trust drew Locke and the weapons that he has around him. That, that offense is going to be really good. So I think Shermer has a full, confidence in luck and his uh, a lock and his targets and they're going to you know what we saw last night is going to be the thing for Denver moving forward I think that is true coming from week one is so you were covering the Giants you talked to Shermer a lot like what's the insight that we can get into that that, that might be I mean I, I know the one thing I always remember with Shermer is that Trent Richardson had like a rookie year that people completely forget about he was amazing his rookie year and that was the Pat Shermer offense and when he was running the Giants, like, well, he's going to do the same thing with Saquon Barkley. Um, and now that Philip Lindsay has turf toe, I would assume that Melvin Gordon's going to have that kind of uh, maybe that kind of run here if Lindsay's going to be out for a little bit. Um, what else? Like, what else should we expect? Like, who is this going to be? Like Noah Fant show for a little while? Is it you know is, is Tim Patrick suddenly relevant? How is this? How is this Shermer offense and philosophy going to play out on the field exactly? It's going to play out perfectly, and I'm glad you brought up the success he had in Cleveland because that gets lost um, in in the discussion. People look at his head coaching record, but his record as a play caller and 
putting guys in position to have success has been great. I think this is the a, a good collection of talent he's had. You go back to what he did in Minnesota, you know, and how that offense looked when he was there calling plays, which got him the job in New York. And, and I think you could look at a bevy of targets. I mean, again, they're going to get Cortland Sutton back. They're going to get K T, uh, KJ Hamler back. Noah Fant and Jerry Judy looked to be stars last night. Uh, Judy has had some inconsistent drops, you know, and, and that was the, the one drop he had was a huge one. It was a, a nice throw by Locke intermediate over, over the middle of the field. I worry about the backfield because Gordon can't keep putting the ball on the turf. And when they had the two backs working, I thought that was perfect, you know. So now it's going to be interesting to see who they elevate. Levante Bellamy is a, is a tremendous talent. We wrote about him in the article. Uh, he's an undrafted guy that may get elevated to the, to the uh, active roster now. And he's a speedster. He can be, I hate keep using his name, but the Eckler or the uh, Lindsey, because he has that type of speed and explosiveness and burst, um, you know, that can pair up with Royce Freeman and uh, and also Gordon. Uh, but, you know, I think their offense is wide open, man. There's no guy, hey, we got a key on this guy, but they're going to be just fine. I like what the Broncos put out there last last night. If you're uh, if you're deciding between these two tight ends to have for the rest of the season, would you rather have T.J. Hawkinson or Noah Fant? Fant, Fant more explosive and dynamic. All right. Uh, actually, quick Lions question before we wrap it up: Adrian Peterson, the Emory Hunt favorite, man, ninety-three yards rushing. I think he had another twenty-one receiving. Uh, dominated the backfield carries. Poor DeAndre Swift dropped that touchdown pass at the end too. Uh, is this it, man? Is this the Adrian Peterson show in Detroit? Like it seemed like that that offense was worrying with him in there too. I, bro, the dude just doesn't he doesn't get old yeah and yeah it's, it's like goodness you look and then you look at what washington did on sunday you're like man why did they let go adrian peterson they couldn't do jack running the football um you know until proven otherwise yeah it's the adrian peterson show i mean you you hope that drop doesn't wear on swift like like it like it did like you know what's the guy uh, Buckner. Oh yeah, Bill for, Buckner. Yeah, yeah. You know, or um, Jackie Smith in the Super Bowl versus the Steelers, where he dropped that wide open touchdown pass from Starbuck, um by himself, hit him in the chest. You know, you hope those type of wild plays that everybody saw doesn't hang uh, over his head because he's a tremendous back. He catches that pass nine times out of ten, but it's that that one time cost him the game. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it was excruciating to watch, and then over and over again in Twitter right. timelines. Because the drop gets worse every time you see it. Yeah. And this time it might be different. Nope. Nope. Shame. I tell you what happened. He dropped that because he's probably was he probably was more worried about where he was on the field, making sure his feet were in. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's a shame. Uh, Emory, man, this is a good show. This is fun. I know you have a lot of comments to go answer, so I'm gonna have to let you go now. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what it's up to. I have I, I should have checked. Man, sometimes you get in and everybody's asking the same question, and I already answered it in reply to the first comment. So, uh, you know, that saves me a lot of responses. Like I'm not gonna keep saying the same thing when you just read. Right. But a lot of these people want to do is like, oh, this is just a weak take. I, you know, tell me who's number one. But this is just a BS take. Like, bro, you already sound convinced, so there's no need for me to to tell you what my number one is. So. Keep keep being convinced. Like, there's no change. That's the type of person, if I give him an answer, he'll have a counter. 
and it, it, it can go for like yeah, be, 17 yeah. threads. Right. It makes no sense. I got stuff to do. I like your response. So just just a quick highlight. Uh, this is this is the kind of artistry that Emery brings to the comments section. Uh, Sahaj P had an issue with the first one. If you thought this was bad analysis, you should have read his original Miss article that he linked. And then Emery, the original one was excellent. I'm looking forward to your response piece up on The Athletic. I think that's how you shut someone down. It's got five <laughs> likes. <laughs> so much fun yeah like just you know if you go like i'm not one to run from the comments so if you're gonna swing or how to if you're gonna take a swipe at the king you bet not miss like (laughs) that's true like if you're gonna swing swing hard man because i'm gonna tell you the counter is gonna soften in your jaw you know so (laughs) this is great uh so stay tuned oh by the way theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod that's probably not it. I should have written that down. There is, we got it, we're running a deal where you get it for a dollar a month. Theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. If you want to see what we're talking about and jump in, it's a buck. Uh, like it's, it's a soda, basically. Jump in. You can play in the comments with Emery, too. Uh, and then if you want to cancel, if you don't like it, go ahead. It costs you a dollar. But uh, it's called Fantasy Fact Check, and it's amazing. And the comments make it all worthwhile. But there's also a very important running back pickup tip in there that will be for the article. Um, Emery Hunt, the star of the playbook. This is, every week, I feel like I learn 10 new things. So thank you once again, man. This is fun, as always. 